0: It's been 57 years since Ellen Ripley escaped the Nostromo with her life and defeated the vicious alien that killed her crew. Ripley's missed her entire life, and now she learns that the Wayland yutani Corporation has colonized LV-426, the planet that her crew visited and discovered the creature. But the company has lost contact with the colony, and they want Ripley to accompany a team of colonial marines to make contact. Ripley goes back to LV-426 and finds herself faced with hundreds, maybe thousands, of aliens. I'm Connor Izzagheri. And I'm Austin Johnson. And this is Filmgasm. (laughs) Happy Wednesday and welcome to the Filmgasm podcast. We haven't done too many sequels on the show, but since we are once again bowing to the wisdom of the book of Filmgasm, who the hell knows what we're going to get? The book knows. The book knows. Our first new draw from the book, (laughs) Aliens. We did Alien back in episode 74, so fairly recently. But in my opinion, while Alien is a horror masterpiece, Aliens is the superior film. But that's just what I think. Ah. (laughs) And we'll get into that. (laughs) So tough. So tough. It's, It's the ultimate question. Before we get started, I've got one update for you on The Rewind, and it updates an early episode, number 13, The Wolfman. Universal and Blumhouse have started work on a Wolfman reboot, and Ryan Gosling has been cast in the lead role. Reportedly, he'll play an anchorman who gets infected with the curse. They're saying it'll be similar in tone with Nightcrawler. And this sounds fucking awesome. (laughs) I didn't Uh. know I needed Gosling as the Wolfman, but here we are.
1: Yeah, neither, neither neither did I. But this yeah, feels like it's uh, pulled out of my brain or something. I mean, <laughs> when you when you sent me that text, that uh, you were like, dude, Ryan Gosling's gonna be Wolfman. I didn't believe you. I was like, no, there's no <laughs> there's no way. But if something is gonna be done like that uh, with Wolfman, yeah, I'm really glad that he's attached. Ah, so cool. Can't wait. Oh yeah.
0: Blumhouse has already proven that they that the Universal monsters are in the right hands with the Invisible Man, and the way they did that was so smart. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see what they do with the rest of these properties, and this comes up a lot on this show. Actually, we have <laughs> talked about this quite often because there's like little bits of news every few weeks about what they're this what they're developing, and Gosling is the is the latest one. And yeah, I'm, I couldn't be more psyched. They're gonna they're gonna do a great job for sure. All right, moment of truth: Alien or Aliens? Ah, this is so difficult. You
1: know, I actually have been thinking about this all day, and I, I've been asking people. Um, if they've seen both, you know, I asked some people at work. I even texted a couple buddies. Uh, I was like, hey, I'm, we're doing Aliens on the podcast tonight, and uh, I just want to know. What's the, the moment of truth? You know, this really separates the men from the boys. Which one do you like better? Um, and for me, ah, I side with Alien. <laughs> Wow. Okay. All right. (laughs) But, but by, by ever so slightly. And I think it, uh, I feel the same way about, uh, Bob Dylan's version of Maggie's farm, the original, and then rage against the machines is probably cooler and better. And it's like three minutes longer, but, uh, I just tend to side with the original or the uh, first piece. And that might be my fault. That might be biased, but aliens is so damn good, man. It's, um, it really is a toss up. It's like Toy Story one, two and three, you know, like, wait, well, take your pick, man. They're all awesome.
0: <laughs> it's rare in uh, for, especially for horror franchises to have back to back incredible installments like this that are just so hard to pick favorites. I mean, we don't even fucking talk about three and resurrection. I mean, fuck that. But these two movies are on a completely different level. They stand apart and it, it really depends on the day. That's the thing like aliens is such a great action thriller but alien is such a great atmospheric horror film it's really tough yeah but yeah just, aliens for me is is more of a is more fun to watch and that's why i got to go aliens oh, i love that i love how honest you are with yourself cuz i think i
1: feel the same way that it it probably is a more fun watch that like that 2 hour window is like oh just like you know <laughs> epic and, and the finale is so worth it you know and I I don't know, man. I guess, yeah, that that the atmosphere of that first one is what what I'll always kind of turn back to. But it's not like Aliens doesn't have the same kind of pull, same kind of atmosphere, you know, that it has that and the action. So I totally understand anybody who those two movies are just they're, they're perfect. You know, it's a fantastic one, too.
0: They're so perfect that it peaked like there's no way three and four ever could have even come close. I mean, they ended up sucking. But even if they'd been good they still wouldn't have been anything compared to these films. Yeah. It's a damn shame because there's so much potential in this franchise, but it gets squandered every single time after Aliens.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you you would like for it to, you know, I guess over time, like this movie, its budget is, you know, 20 million or so. Roughly, yeah. And it's just (laughs) mind-blowing what they're able to do with that. And as time moves, it's like when they spend more money and they lose that lose that kind of edge, I don't know. It kind of just, it's a little bit, it's just not as satisfying.
0: Well, also Alien 3 kind of dials it back too much. Like with Aliens, you have this, you know, this hive, hundreds of these things fighting these base soldiers. It's fucking awesome. And then Alien 3, at the beginning, it kills off three of the best characters from Aliens unceremoniously off screen leaves Ripley stuck on a prison planet full of shaved dudes. Like, what? <laughs> who, yeah. who would
1: have thought that would be a good idea? What yeah. F- oh. And it really sucks because that's like, you know, Fincher has always said, like, that is not my movie sort of thing. And it just it just sucks, you know, because it it's something that just gets lost and forgotten, and rightly so, because, yeah, it is not good.
0: My uncle, he, he swears by the Alien 3, uh, I think it's called the production cut or something like that, not the director's cut because fincher will have none of that but it's i tried to watch that one and it's just as bad there's nothing what they added is not that substantial the ending's a bit better but it's still just ripley walking around a prison planet with one little alien running around yeah it's boring oh thanks and and then alien resurrection is like a fucking parody (laughs) Oh, boy, it's insane. We'll get we'll do those two movies eventually on the show. And Uh, it'll be like our Exorcist 2 episode. Just us ripping this those films apart. (laughs)
1: Yeah, just these stupid things. They are so easy to forget because they suck. And
0: then you got Prometheus and Covenant, which are just weird. Like, not not for me. I don't get it. Ridley Scott had like, I guess he had one in him for Alien.
1: (laughs) It's it's a lot. Yeah, again, timing. It's. A lot of people look at, you know, we talked about an alien, of course, and it's one of the things everybody talks about when you talk about alien is it's so ahead of its time from being in 1979. And part of that has to do just when it came out and um, it being it being, you know, a level ahead of stuff. And then it's like they, you know, weren't showing anything, anything new anymore once they got to the you know third, fourth and Prometheus. It's like none of this is new anymore. Um, it's just dissatisfying.
0: Well, and Alien had the mystique of what the hell is this thing? Where did it come from? These people just end up on this planet where they find a crashed spaceship, a giant alien, and thousands of eggs. It's all about, you know, it's got that, myst- that mystique of like, you know, the, the monster, the space alien from hell. Whereas Covenant and Prometheus gave us an answer that is kind of unsatisfying because we have one at all. We don't need to know where this thing came from. It's scarier if we don't know what it is. Exactly. Less is more. Less is more. With horror especially, less is always more, and especially with monsters. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, it's it's good to not know everything. It's yeah. you need sometimes you got to stay in the shadows a bit or else your movie's not that scary anymore.
1: Well, that's because yeah, yeah, exactly. It, that human element, you know, that's that's what these first two have so much of, is that that human element of like, oh shit.
0: <laughs> Another that's, thing, like
1: that, that's 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 something we love in the thing, you know. Yeah, it's like that part of it, that part of horror where it's like we don't know what's going on.
0: Well, Alien and Aliens and The Thing, even the characters aren't stupid. The characters are grizzled soldiers or grizzled engineers or You know, just people who are who think things through. Prometheus and Covenant have some of the stupidest characters in movie history. Yeah. These people are supposed to be scientists and they're just walking around an alien planet with no protection. They're like poking alien snakes. Like (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) It it's just, you know, those movies don't hold a candle to these two and no other movie will. I, they'll never be able to, to replicate this. Alien and Aliens is the perfect one-two combo, and in a way, it's kind of sad. <laughs> it's awesome we have it, but it's sad that we're never going to get anything like it. Yeah,
1: I, I agree. Yeah, it, it'll always be yeah. Like <laughs> you tried, <Yes>. you tried, <laughs> but I'm yes, not. But I'm not gonna you know give you. The, the same respect as, as these, yeah, these first two. It's just that they're incredible, untouchable.
0: <laughs> yes, indeed. So before we get into it, uh, regrettably, Josh was not able to join us today, uh, but he will be appearing in the future. Uh, who knows when? His choice. And uh, yeah, let's get into it. Just wanted to address that. I know we had said at the end of the last episode that he might be here, but yeah, sorry. Aliens was written and directed by Oscar winner James Cameron, one of the most successful filmmakers in history. Nearly every one of his films has been a monumental hit. He won three Oscars for Titanic, Best Director, Best Film Editing, and Best Picture. He was also nominated for those same three awards for Avatar. Besides those two films, he has also directed The Terminator, The Abyss, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, True Lies, and he is set to write and direct four sequels to Avatar. God knows why. He he sat at the very top of the highest-grossing film of all time, the first two spots for years, until Avengers: Endgame knocked those off. But that's gotta. I mean, this dude's ego has got to be the size of a fucking sun.
1: <laughs> well, well, it is. I mean, when you yeah. hear him when you hear him talk, you're like, oh boy. Yeah.
0: I try not to hear him talk. I don't like it
1: yeah it's it's frustrating especially after ins- avatar
0: he's pretty insufferable <laughs> yeah but at the same time the man gave us aliens and terminator it's hard not to love that you know <laughs> exactly oh <laughs> i haven't uh i haven't seen titanic in a very long time uh best picture like 11 oscars i don't know if i agree with that yeah i mean yeah it's it's a
1: good movie that's that's I don't think it's great but it's good.
0: It's good I think movie. if you were going to do a biopic of of the Titanic disaster, I mean that'd be really cool. I don't see why you got to make up a fake love story.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's my main thing. I think it could be great. Like you know, the obviously there's content there. There's stories, real stories there, but yeah, I don't know.
0: Pearl Harbor has the same problem. Like it's a significant historical event. You don't need to make up a love triangle to keep people's attention. That movie's frustrating. Yeah. I've seen half of that movie in uh high school and I was even then i was like this is awful (laughs) my god 97 what is is josh hartnett doing in that what where the hell did he go josh hartnett was like the guy for three years and then he just disappeared i don't know
1: Mm. he's been in penny dreadful but yeah as far as movies Um, i i don't know
0: yeah pearl harbor titanic 97. I would have given Best Picture personally to As Good as It Gets.
1: Ooh, Jackie Brown. But yeah, you know that's not realistic. Well, if we're
0: talking what was nominated, <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, yeah, I think I agree with you. I love As Good as It Gets. Uh, Goodwill Hunting. Um, yeah, but I really like As Good as It Gets.
0: Yeah, L.A. Confidential has a shot there too, though. Yeah, Boogie Nights. <laughs> Weird. Like the more I think about it, Titanic's kind of the weakest of that bunch. And yet, yeah.
1: Oh, I totally agree. I mean, yeah. Oh my gosh, I can make a list of probably twenty movies from that year, and it wouldn't be there. No, not like. Again, I think it's a good movie, but I just don't think it's great in any way. I don't think it's like that special or unique, you know?
0: Yeah, for sure. I I just think you know I think that Oscar was bought. I think the uh, the box office gross and it being the highest grossing film of all time at the time. I think the Academy like couldn't ignore that because it won like every Oscar except the acting awards, which is kind of odd. But I don't know. I just I don't think it holds up anymore. I think it's kind of like it's it's cheesy now.
1: Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Especially with what we know Leo is capable of now. (laughs) Yes. Yes. My God. (laughs) Uh, Rick Rick fucking Dalton. (laughs)
0: I'm never going to be able to watch anything he did before the age of 30, like ever again. <laughs> well,
1: well, I'll counter that because I think what's well, eating Gilbert Grape is one of his better performances, right? You would agree with that or no?
0: I haven't seen that movie yet.
1: Oh, shit. Well, yeah, I think you'd really like that performance. <laughs> he's, he's swell in that. Obviously, that's a very unique one. He's very young in that. But I yeah. agree with you. Most of the movies like from his 20s. Yeah, <laughs> not for me.
0: Nope, but we'll like Titanic is one I'm excited to do on our new show because.
1: Yeah, and we can talk about that very thing. Nineteen ninety seven and all that. Yeah.
0: Can't wait. Stick uh, stick around this Sunday to to uh, check out our new show Oscar Sunday. We're going to be plugging it this entire episode. So get (laughs) Oscar nominee Sigourney Weaver is the only cast member to return from the first film, which makes sense since she is the only survivor, not counting Jonesy the cat. Weaver has been nominated for three Oscars, one for 1988's Working Girl, one for 1988's Gorillas in the Mist, and one for 1986's Aliens. She was the first actress to be nominated for an action film, which is pretty awesome.
1: Incredible. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, I mean, it makes sense. She's dominant in these movies.
0: Yeah. She's the only one with their shit together this entire time. She's to, from the beginning. She's like, don't fucking go there. I know what's there. They're all dead. Deal with it. But no, money, 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 money. Fucking Burke. We'll get there. <laughs> I have a lot to talk about with this film. It's a favorite of mine.
1: I, I definitely have some things to say about fucking Burke.
0: Oh motherfucker! I hate Paul Reiser because of this movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. He he. Uh, but then he, you know, he 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 really steals your heart in Whiplash from 2014. You know, um, he was in so, Whiplash. Yeah. So yeah, as the father, you know, has that moment with his son at the end. uh, so, you know, comes full circle, turns it back around.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Next, we've got 80s action up and comer Michael Bean as Corporal Hicks, who takes command of the mission and kicks Major Ass. Bean is also known for his role as Kyle Reese in The Terminator, the future warrior who impregnates Sarah Connor. And whew, that timeline's such a fucking wackadoodle. We'll get there eventually. <laughs> He also appeared in The Abyss and Tombstone before burning all his bridges with alcohol and bad decisions. He's popped up in bit stuff ever since but never really gaining back the stardom he once had. He'll be appearing in season 2 of The Mandalorian though, so maybe he's due for an upswing. I've always liked Michael Bean but yeah, the dude just destroyed his own career. Just got, you know, went on a bender and never never came back.
1: <laughs> Unfortunate, man. Uh, it just sucks how many How many people that happened to especially during this era sucks
0: he did reprise his role of corporal hicks in the video game aliens colonial marines which i heard was a complete shit show like one of the (laughs) worst games ever made it was they released it unfinished so not like all the ai didn't make sense there were so many glitches just ugh. (laughs) what the hell i know man look next up we've got carrie hen who plays newt the little girl that Ripley saves and befriends. Aliens was Hen's only film role, as she decided not to pursue a career as an actor, and I believe she's now a teacher. A lot like uh, Danny Lloyd in The Shining. The late, great Bill Paxton plays Private Hudson. Joker turned scared shitless. We talked about Paxton at length in last week's Near Dark episode. Suffice it to say we love the guy, and we're sad he died in 2017 at only 61 years old. And I loved him in Near Dark, but Fucking aliens is my favorite Paxton. he's private Hudson is absolutely hilarious in this movie.
1: <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> what, what an incredible, uh, two year, you know, this, and then near dark right after in 87, just incredible run.
0: <laughs> and then the year before this, he was in weird science. Oh so,
1: dude. 85. Oh, and
0: man. the year before that he was in the terminator.
1: <laughs> what a four year run.
0: <laughs> Crazy. Absolutely, unprecedented
1: four-year run. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, Bill God. Paxton is one of the unsung heroes of the '80s, for sure, man. And Private Hudson, I think, is his crowning achievement. Just this, this dude is such a gung-ho, gung-ho, hooah marine. The second he realizes what's really going on, he is immediately like, "Let's get the fuck out of here!" Oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he
1: he is great. So much personality.
0: Oh yeah. Then we've got Paul Reiser, who plays Wayland Utani, businessman and sack of shit that wished he was a real boy. Carter Burke, Reiser plays the real bad guy of Aliens, and he is such a slimeball. This piece of shit is manipulating everything the entire time because he wants one of those aliens to gift wrap and bring back to Earth, because the company is going wants to use this thing to make weapons. And even after seeing everything this that these creatures have done, all the people they've killed, Burke just keeps seeing dollar signs. <sighs> yep. But he gets yeah, his.
1: Ul- ultimate villain, uh, yeah, as he's just, you know, controlling con- – he's, he's the puppeteer of this, this movie, controlling everything. Yeah, he just – he, like, represents, yeah, just everything that's evil <laughs> in movies, yeah.
0: Riser is also known for his lead role in the sitcom Mad About You that ran for seven seasons. With an eighth season revival that aired last year that nobody saw. Like, it was on some, I think it was, like, Spectrum channel or some, like, super barely known channel that brought back this, like, beloved sitcom. And nobody watched it. They both look bad. Helen Hunt and Paul Reiser look like shit. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh,
1: man. that That's incredible.
0: It's it's got to be said that yeah, Helen Hunt has had way too much plastic surgery. She doesn't even look like herself anymore. And Paul Reiser just looks like a human cigarette. Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> they both just I I've never even seen this show, but I know for sure I would not like the final season just by the way it looked. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I'm with you.
0: <laughs> finally, we've got Lance Henriksen as Bishop, the only good android in the entire franchise. Fuck you, Ash. Fuck you, David. Walter, we hardly knew ye. And the less said about Call, the better. (laughs) Hendrickson, we also talked at length about in the Near Dark episode. Suffice it to say, we love him, too. I just wish Bishop had gotten more screen time. Yeah, that's,
1: like, one of the only, like, minor complaints I have about it. But it's not really like a, you know, I just, yeah, it'd be nice to have a little more Bishop. Because he is great. I love Lance.
0: He's awesome. He's the only Android worth a damn in this entire franchise. The only one who ever actually tries to help her. Oh, I love it. Aliens has an IMDb score of 8.3. Rotten Tomatoes score of 97%. It was a monster hit, grossing $131 million on a surprisingly low budget of only $18.5 million. It's Amazing what Cameron can do with so little. It won two Oscars, Best Sound Editing and Best Visual Effects. It was nominated for five more. Best Actress for Sigourney Weaver, Best Art Direction, Best Sound Mixing, Best Film Editing, and Best Original Score for James Horner. In many ways, Aliens ruined the franchise because there was no way any subsequent film could top this. (laughs) Exactly. So let's get into the plot of Aliens. (laughs) So we open in space where no one can hear you scream. And after the opening credits, we see a spacecraft drifting through space. It's Ripley's shuttle. She's been drifting for nearly six decades. What a, what a mindfuck. <laughs> but so, so smart. It's a great way to just establish a new world. And you see it through Ripley's eyes. You know, she's a stranger out of time now. And uh, she's found by like sheer dumb luck by a salvage vessel and uh, they take her to a space facility operated by the Wayland yutani Corp. Ripley regains consciousness in a hospital, has a nightmare where she has a alien in her belly. That was freaky. I forgot about that. (laughs) There's a few scenes in this movie that I forgot about that made me jump. Yes.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Same. I had a blast, man. This is uh, such a good watch.
0: (laughs) For sure. So, Ripley and the cat Jones made it and uh, Ripley meets Wayland Utani representative Carter Burke who talks to her and tells her that she's been adrift for 57 years and uh, Ripley's obviously distressed and uh, yeah I would be distressed especially in the deleted scene that's in the extended uh, director's cut where she realizes her daughter is has died of old age which explains her relationship with newt later on in the movie yes i kind of wish they'd cut they kept that it's a pretty crucial scene <laughs>
1: i i know man
0: <laughs> yeah crucial for ripley's development and uh yeah i can't imagine that so ripley is now upset and the nurses want to help her and uh Sometime later, Ripley has a board meeting with the the company, Wayland Dutani, who have started an investigation into what happened with the Nostromo. And they the way they see it, Ripley set off the self destruct and lost them a great deal of money. Oh, this is a fucking company. Every movie they do this shit. <laughs> and Ripley's like, Well, yeah, but only to kill the alien that ate my crew. And they're like, What alien, what? Like and Ripley tells them the story. You know, we we found a the company to ordered us to land on L V four two six. Kane went and found went and investigated. We found a spaceship inside the spaceship. We found a bunch of eggs. Something came out of the egg, got onto Kane, and the rest is history. And they're like, Well, we colonized L V four two six and we never found anything. Like there's 80, 70 like seventy, eighty families on that planet. Nobody's ever reported any alien they're talking down to her the whole time you know like oh, we know God, you're dude. crazy that kind of shit
1: yeah well yeah they're like manipulating and think about it, f- 57 years this would be if 1963 to now if you just <laughs> skipped all that
0: you know jesus christ
1: uh, yeah imagine the trauma you're going through in your head of just um well you know and then these people don't believe you and they're trying to manipulate you to yeah make you think
0: you're crazy Ah, yeah. oh, man. Not even that you had the time jump, but prior to the time jump, you survived the most horrific event of your life, where yeah, an alien ridiculous. got into your ship and killed your entire crew. All of your friends are dead. You got away. You wake up. It's six decades in the future. Your daughter is dead, and people are grilling you about this. <laughs> Whew. I'm surprised she didn't pull a punch or throw a punch. And uh, Burke is sitting there the whole time like he's her best friend. Like he's backing her up, and that's just him trying to manipulate her to do the plot, like the plan that he already knows about, go to LV four two six. And the more I watch this, the more like I notice about Burke. Yeah. And just how manipulative he is from the beginning. He is pure evil.
1: <laughs> well, and how wonderful, wonderful the performances from from Reiser.
0: Just incredible stuff. Oh yeah, perfect. The way he'll t- like later on when. Ripley's, like, interrogating him. He'll pull that classic, like, do you know how crazy you sound, bullshit? It's, I want to reach for the TV and throttle the guy. (laughs) So, (laughs) during the inquiry, Ripley tries to convince these people, you know, this is what happened, and I don't give a shit what you think. I know what happened. But they're like, you know, it's company policy, and, uh, we're not going to press criminal charges, but we are going to revoke your flight license and demand that you see a psychiatrist. (laughs) Oh, and that's when Ripley finds out, you know, like just go to the, she, she tells him, just go to the planet and see for yourself. And they're like, we did. It's been colonized for 30 years. It's habitable now. Soon after that, Ripley is in her apartment on this planetoid area, like this satellite we never actually see Earth in this franchise. It's weird.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know, like, yeah.
0: throughout all one, two, three, f- six films, we never see Earth. <laughs> awesome. Except maybe briefly in Prometheus. It's been a few years. Um, <laughs> so Ripley's in her apartment with Jonesy. She works on the loading dock of this satellite. She's just, you know, trying to make ends meet. Her contract is still active with the company. I guess it's one of those, you know, lifetime contracts like Scientology. And God. <laughs> you don't leave the company. The company leaves you.
1: Oh. <laughs> uh,
0: and, uh... <laughs> they, uh... They decide, uh... Burt goes to talk to her and says, Hey, uh, so... Something happened on LV426. Uh... <laughs> So, my bad. Uh, This one's on me. Uh, (laughs) We can't contact the colony. Uh, We don't know why. Uh, Hopefully, just some electrical interference. But we'd like you to come with us and take a look. And Ripley's like, fuck you. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Did you not hear what I just said about the alien? And you want me to go to the planet where there's thousands of these things now because they ate your fucking colony? uh no (laughs) kindly get the fuck out (laughs) and he's like just think about it she's like oh i have burke (laughs) fuck off (laughs) it's a great scene (laughs) but yeah ripley's you know she's thinking about it and she kind of thinks you know what don't i have an obligation to do this and uh it's interesting because they uh they kind of bribe her. They say like we'll reinstate your your flight status. We'll make you a warrant officer again. And uh, she has nightmares and she realizes if I don't face this thing, I'm never gonna be okay again. I need to go back. I need to end this. Yeah, so well,
1: she, she has she, she has no yeah she has no life essentially. This is that's I'm not trying to be harsh towards like her as a person, but. What's happened to her? Being being for 57 years, and then what, like you said, the last thing that happened was you you faced this thing. You have to do this. You you have to uh, in your own mind. There's no way you can like run from this or live a normal life. So uh, she's stuck.
0: <laughs> well, the company has kind of taken away any chance she has of a normal life. They took away her status as a warrant officer. Exactly. They, she can't get work in space, which I'm assuming is the only work in this universe. So she's kind of fucked here, like she either does this job or she just works the loading dock until she keels over, and you know is constantly haunted by nightmares of the alien so she calls Burke and says, "I'll do it, but we're just killing these things right we're not capturing them we're not studying them Burke crosses his fingers behind his back and goes, "No, of course not." Jones stays at the stays in the ship because he's had enough <laughs> Jonesy ain't Going back into the hive. <laughs> so we go to the Salako, a massive warship traveling through deep space. Inside are Colonial Marines led by Gorman, an unseasoned lieutenant who had, doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. And that guy really gets on my nerves.
1: A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. You want to, like you said about uh, Ricer, you want to go through the screen and punch him. Yeah.
0: This, <laughs> same thing. Oh yeah. Uh, Ripley and Burke. Burke went with her to ensure the merchandise arrives or, or uh, travels safely. We'll find out. After waking from hypersleep, we meet seasoned veteran Sergeant Apone who takes command of his soldiers. And most of these Marines, they're you know, they're a unit that's seen some shit. They've been around a while. And they don't think this is real. They think the alien is bullshit. They think this is a, you know, this is shit detail. And, uh, we meet Vasquez, played by Jeanette Goldstein. We saw her last week in Near Dark, and uh, she's a fucking badass. <laughs> Talk about Jeanette Goldstein being a chameleon. Between Near Dark, Aliens, and Terminator 2, it, I can't believe it's the same actress.
1: I know. Yeah, she is scary at times.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. She is there to kill. <laughs> and she doesn't even, like, they don't even know there's a threat, but she is prepped. We meet uh, Hicks, who's pretty by the book. Hudson, who is just fucking around the whole time, and Bishop, the robot. We meet him to, when he uh, impresses the crew by playing five finger fillet with Hudson's hand. <laughs> oh, I love that bit.
1: Fantastic. I, I love, I love the uh, line when Vasquez is like doing pull ups and, hey Vasquez, do you ever get mistaken for a man? Do you? <laughs> So good, so good.
0: Apparently, we they didn't all,
1: tell we need all that stuff. Yeah. You know, we need all that, that camaraderie and that the character development. It's good stuff. For
0: sure. I read in the trivia that they didn't tell Bill Paxton that uh, they were going to do that with the hand. Like, I guess they kind of just made it up on the fly. So he really is going like, ah, <laughs> freaking out. And That's they, filmed awesome. it, they filmed it slowly, but then, you know, speeded up the film. But on the last hit, uh, Hendrickson uh, skinned a little bit off of Paxson's pinky, so it was close.
1: <laughs> that's fantastic.
0: Oh yeah, and they filmed these scenes last because now they have all the camaraderie they built from filming, so it's you know organic chemistry that's been built uh, over time. okay. Very smart. <laughs> well done. For sure. Ripley fucking hates Bishop. <laughs> She's a full on racist when it comes to robots. But she's got good reason. The Last robot she met tried to kill her with a magazine. Yes. Yeah,
1: I know she definitely has a reason to uh to be on our guard around uh, androids.
0: Yep. But in the past fifty seven years they made some significant upgrades to the machines. They can't harm humans. They have behavioral that, inhibitors.
1: That's one of my favorite parts is when Bishop's like, oh, that must have been
0: <laughs> that must have been the old model.
1: Ah, yes, they made many changes. On, you know, I would never. <laughs>
0: uh, that so must good. be terrifying for you. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> oh, my behavioral tendencies are much better.
0: <laughs> He's like a kid. Yeah. God, Lance Erickson's great. Yeah. He's like, you want some cornbread? And Ripley's like, fuck you. <laughs> immediately like, stay the hell away from me. Guess and... you don't like cornbread neither. <laughs> oh, boy. So, as the Sulaco approaches LV 426, Ripley tells the Marines what they're dealing with. Gorman dubs the alien a xenomorph. First time we hear that word in this franchise. It's, the, it's officially what they're called. And uh, they're all still like, is this, are they serious? <laughs> We're, it's a bug hunt? What the fuck is this? And uh, <laughs> Ripley starts, you know, kind of impressing the soldiers a little bit, especially Hicks, who. Thanks. Ripley's you know, strong, likes her way with people. And eventually he helps her. He teaches her how to use the gun. Thank Christ. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, it would have been fucked. We see the power loader. See how uh, Ripley uses that. He teaches her how to use that. And she's really good at lifting things because that's what she does back on the satellite. She lifts shit. <laughs> 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 they take the dropship to the planet. And uh, Gorman is a little uncomfortable because this is his first mission. <laughs> he's in charge of everything, but he's never actually been in the heat of battle. And th- and that you know fucks him a little bit later. <laughs> the uh, the dropship flies over the colony, which is a giant man-made structure they later find out has a nuclear core. Great idea. And uh, Burke explains that they used a terraformer to make the planet suitable for human life. Weyland-Yutani manufactures them. This place is worth, like, a cool bill. And that's all he ever fucking talks about is how much the company, you know. Ma- it, it's weird to brag about other people's success. <laughs> that's, that's all I'll say. Yes. <laughs> I've always found that strange. In movies and real life, when people brag about how much the company they work for has made. Like, you don't make sh- you don't make shit. Why do you care? Oh, my God.
1: Well, well, the guys (laughs) up top, you should see what they're doing, man. You know, I should see the kind of stuff we're doing at the company I work for. Yeah,
0: I hope to be on top one day. All I got to do is get all you killed and bring one of these aliens back. (laughs) Whoa, did I say that out loud? (laughs) Burke?
1: (laughs) Burke?
0: Oh, fuck Burke. (laughs) Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So they go into the they, they land on the uh, on the on the ground. They take an APC armored personal carrier to uh, into the kind of living quarters area. And among these is uh, I don't remember his name, but it's uh, Boggs from Shawshank. Yeah,
1: dude. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I don't remember his name, but he gets a grisly death. <laughs> yeah. <No laughs> <kidding>. Fucking melted. <laughs> Oof. So this scene is fucking brilliant. They're just walking through and they have these uh, these motion scanners that beep steadily like a. Until there's something and then it's like a beep, 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 and it gets louder and faster when something's coming closer. And those goddamn things are so scary. Yes. (laughs) Mostly because of the video games that came later they use that same technology in the games, the smart gun and the tracker. So those would signify trouble ahead. So I associate those <laughs> memories with this movie and now it's like all fucked up. And <laughs> beep, beep, beep Ugh <gasps> They sweep the building and they find just well no people, first of all, and a, a lot of acid burns on the ground and just a hive of slime. And now they're thinking maybe Ripley wasn't full of shit. <laughs> and uh, in the medical lab, they find uh, face huggers in stasis tubes, like th- like two of them that are still alive. And uh, they find something else. They find a little girl, 11 years old, who survived the assault. She's been hiding in the floor. They uh, Ripley succeeds in gaining her trust. They find out later her name's Rebecca, but she calls herself Newt because that was her nickname. She's the only survivor of this entire colony. Her, her family's dead. And in the extended version, we see Rebecca and her parents at the beginning of the film just kind of hanging around the satellite on their way to the colony. Another thing yes. that I think would have been good for the... I'll never understand director's cuts. Like, just, shouldn't the final cut of the movie be the final cut of the movie in every situation? Oh, what?
1: <laughs> I know. I, I, yeah, we've talked about this before. I don't like multi, I don't like all the cuts.
0: I don't either, especially when you miss crucial crucial information like this.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Ugh. Ripley gets through to her because, you know, she's she's a parent. Or she was a parent. So, she sees this as an opportunity to possibly be a parent again, but Alien 3 kind of fucks that right out the window. Yep. <laughs> and uh, she doesn't say anything beyond her own name at first. Private Hudson is using the homing devices. He's tracking. He tracks the colonists using homing devices that were embedded in their skin. Wonderful company, this. And discovers the... <laughs> The whole population seems to be crowded underneath the primary heat exchangers of the facility. So they're where, they're, where there's heat, there's people. Apparently, they take the APC over there. Um, Oppen and his Marines get out. Gorman and Burke remain aboard with Newton and Ripley, and uh, that's where they discover the, the hive. And oof, uh, Ripley realizes that the Marines are walking next to the nuclear reactor, and if the armor piercing weapons hit that the whole place is going to go up like a thermonuclear bomb. So probably shouldn't, uh, shouldn't shoot in here. (laughs) And Gorman tells them to hand in their high caliber ammo, but Vasquez reactivates her smart gun and, uh, the team enters the basements and they find the dead bodies of the colonists cocooned as hosts for the aliens. Most of them have burst. The aliens are out and they're hungry. (laughs) One of the colonists is still alive, and she starts to convulse, and the thing comes out of her. The alien bursts out of her, and they get it with a flamethrower immediately. But this awakens the aliens. And I completely forgotten about that part where Vasquez is backing up, and the thing is in the wall, and it just lifts its head up. <laughs> I fell out of my fucking chair. I, I completely forgot about that.
1: Incredible. That really Incredible. Something that, something that just doesn't cost any money. It's just like, hey, let's do that, you know? Creepy effects of,
0: ugh. And then all fucking hell breaks loose. These damn things start ripping the, into the Marines. The Marines are shooting and blasting. A lot of them get killed. Boggs gets melted after he blasts one apart, and the, the acid splashes onto his face. Ugh, God. Yeah, then comes in. Yeah, it's just fireworks. <laughs> it's so good. And Ripley's giving them, like, hey, you know, we, we got to save them, and Gorman is freaking out. He's panicked. He doesn't know what to do. Ripley takes control of it, drives the APC into the nest to rescue the Marines. Four yes. of them make it back. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> oh. Hicks gets one of the aliens with a shotgun right to the fucking head when it tries to get in the door. He goes, eat this. Ah. <laughs> oh. Goddamn. Classic but line. Hudson gets, gets burned by the acid. And uh, Gorman gets knocked unconscious when Ripley drives the APC out of the facility running an alien down while well, she does so. she You know she aimed for that shit. She was like, you, motherfucker. Drove right into him.
1: <laughs> Unbelievable.
0: The escape fucks up the APC, which means they can't drive it anymore. And uh, on the planet's surface, the survivors discover that some of their missing colleagues are still displaying life signs. But Ripley says, nope. They've been cocooned. They're going to be hosts. They're dead to us. We cannot go get them. They're gone. Vasquez recommends they nerve gas the area, but they're like, you know, we don't even know if that shit will work on these things. And Ripley suggests, well, we better fucking nuke this place from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. And Burke is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We have a lot of coin invested in this operation here. And everyone's like, are you fucking kidding me? Did you not see that? (laughs) And Ripley reminds Burke that with Gorman incapacitated, Hicks is the... uh, Chief officer of the mission, of the mission, and he agrees with Ripley. nuked from orbit. I love when Burke protests. Ripley goes, "They can bill me." <laughs> Just ah, oh, I love it. She has yeah. She gets it. These things need to die. <laughs> Ugh. Burke actually says that this species is important, and no one has the right to exterminate them. And they're like still. What? Are you kidding me?
1: Really? Still, still has the balls.
0: Yeah. Jesus Christ. Now <sighs> yeah, Ripley's like, this is a military operation now, so what do you think, Hicks? And Hicks is like, we're gonna nuke this shit. You kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> and summons the dropship pilots. But the aliens got into the dropship. And oh <laughs> uh, that was that was unfortunate. <laughs> they kill the pilot in mid flight and the ship just crashes under the into the ground. And <laughs> Actually, it it, sh- it hits the APC, destroying it with most of the team's weaponry. So now they're fucked. <laughs> mm. So they are stuck on the surface. They get into the main colony complex where they're like, what the fuck did we do now? And Hudson especially is like, what the hell is this, man? Oh, my God. We're going to die, man. Game over, man. Like just total. He's out. <laughs> he's gone. Just, Mentally, see. he's gone. Yeah, yeah. And like you said at the
1: beginning, you think this guy would be ready for anything.
0: I, uh, The most hardened soldier in the world, I mean, you put him on a planet filled with these things, he's going to go full Hudson. <laughs> full Hudson, yes. Yep. Go. He's going to go full Hudson. I would go full Hudson. Yeah. Oh,
1: God. <laughs> I yeah, would be proud of I, it,
0: but it would happen.
1: <laughs> I would. I would never be any kind of Hudson in the first place. I would be, no, I don't want to go in the first place to anything like this. yeah and then if i get there yeah i'd be running out of there as fast as i could
0: oh jesus
1: this this kind of atmosphere you know atmosphere horror action thriller you know alien and aliens is is to me like the scenario i just least likely want you know want to be in you know anything else like even even, like i know this is this is tough to say but like i think i might rather be in this situation in jaws than this you know like that's there's so many of these fuckers (laughs)
0: If I had to be in any horror movie, I would 100% choose Jaws, because I would just not go in the water. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: you just stay on the land. Yes.
0: <laughs> From I don't know if I'd... The two, two types of horror films that tend to get me the most are aliens and ghosts.
1: Yeah, yeah, I especially don't... aliens, man.
0: That's the thing. I don't know which one I'd rather face if I had to. I mean, ghosts, I... I'd be freaked out by it, but aliens I feel like if I see one of those I think I'd be way more terrified the more I think about it like you're like this thing's gonna take me away <laughs> like, I'm I'm out like I'm gonna disappear with a ghost I feel like it's just gonna fuck with me for a while and maybe kill me towards the end of the movie. but an alien I'm out in the first act
1: <laughs> yeah I'm yeah I'm
0: unboxed I'm, I'm yeah I, I'm Sam Rockwell from Galaxy Quest. I'm the guy who gets killed to prove the situation is serious. Yes. I died in episode 81. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, so the crew, uh, have they need to get a plan. They need to somehow get the other drop ship that's on the, the big ship, the Sulaco. And they have limited weapons. They don't have a lot of rifles and flamethrowers. They do have sentry guns. And uh, a rescue team can't, you know, ain't going to show up for a few weeks. Hudson starts panicking again, yelling, the aliens are going to get in there. Ripley's like, hey, shut the fuck up. And (laughs) points out, you know, Newt made it for a long time with no, no weapons, no training. They barricade the area. And uh, Hicks and Ripley start, you know, bonding a little. Hicks gives her a, a, a locator to wear on her wrist. And Ripley gives that to Newt. He tells, you know, this will keep you safe, that kind of thing. And uh, Bishop is doing some research on the aliens, realizes their acid blood is neutralized after exposure to air. So once these things die, the acid can't hurt them anymore, except for mm-hmm. that, except for the bullet going in. That's going to cause some splash. And uh, they're discovering, you know, discussing the face huggers. They know that the humans used are used as hosts. The face come from the eggs, but where do the eggs come from? And that's a question we'll find the answer to at the end of the movie. And holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they start thinking, you know, it's a lot like an insect colony, so there's probably a queen. Ooh, is there a queen? <sighs> <Okay. laughs> Ripley tells. Hmm? She loves Lair. Oh, fuck yeah, man. Definitely inspired by Tolkien a little bit. <laughs> And uh, Ripley tells Bishop, destroy the face huggers, the ones that are alive. But Bishop says, Burke ordered me to keep them alive. And Ripley's like, what? She goes to confront, confront Burke about it. And he says, you know, I want to take the specimens back to Earth. The weapons industry will pay through the nose for these things. And he tries to get her help in smuggling them past quarantine. And Ripley's like, no, they're going to fucking know because I'm going to tell them. Like, are you serious here? It's like he only hears his own voice. <laughs> th- oh, I hate this. I hate this guy so much. <laughs> he's worse than the aliens. Yeah, he is. At least the aliens it's not evil, it's just their nature. This motherfucker knows exactly what he's doing. He just chooses to do the wrong thing repeatedly. To uh,
1: other to to other humans. Yeah. So so ridiculous.
0: And uh oh, man So she checks the colony log and learns that Burke is responsible for sending the colonists to the ship that was crashed with all the eggs. He learned about its existence from Ripley during the trial, and he went out of his way to infect, get all these people infected so that he could make, you know, prove that these things existed and make a mint off of them. So he's responsible for all of this. Oh, And uh, Ripley blames Burke for not warning the colonists about what was going on. And Burke says he all he wanted was the colonists to accidentally find it so that the company could lay claim on the ship. Again, it's about the company. He's like, I made a bad call. My bad. Like. And Ripley's like, you know, you son of a bitch, I'm going to expose you when we get back to Earth, which admittedly, probably not the smartest thing to say to the guy with no scruples.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. So, as Ripley's exiting the room, the alarm sounds. The aliens have arrived, and the sentry guns kill a lot of them, but they run out of ammo, and the aliens have greater numbers. They've infected every colonist here, so they are well over a hundred of these things.
1: (laughs) Well, that just gives me the heebie-jeebies.
0: Bishop calls in, says they've got a bigger problem. The nuclear reactor has started emergency venting. So... They've had some damage to the structure and the cooling units have failed and it's going to blow up in four hours. They have four hours to get off this planet before the whole thing explodes. And uh, they can't. Re- the only option is to go to the uplink tower, manually remote pilot the second dropship to get to the surface. Hudson is immediately like, fuck that. I'm not going anywhere. And Bishop immediately, without hesitation, says, I'll go he's the robot. He's the only one qualified to pilot the ship, so he's like, yeah. I have to protect humanity, and you are humanity, so I will go. I love Bishop.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's not fair character.
0: Ugh. When he, uh, when they dig, like, when they, uh, bur- what's the term? When they cut a hole into the, uh, the pipe to get... He's fixing a divot! <laughs> 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 he's fixing a divot! Beautiful. Thank you. (laughs) I get I hate that scene because I'm a bit claustrophobic. So seeing Bishop go into that tiny pipe and just kind of like crawl his way through with these things all over the place. Yeah. Fuck that.
1: Yeah, no thank you. (laughs)
0: Uh (laughs) Hicks gives uh Ripley a crash course on how to use the uh, pulse rifle including the grenade says like you don't want to mess with that and she's like fuck that show me everything (laughs) I love that Ripley is no nonsense this whole movie she's like I know exactly what's going on I want to be prepared (laughs) I love that (sighs) Uh, on our way back to go see Newt Ripley passes by Gorman who has regained consciousness and he's a a little embarrassed by his panic attack earlier And uh, she finds Newt curled up asleep hiding under the bed. And Ripley joins her for a nap with the pulse rifle on the bed. Just in case. Bishop has reached the uplink tower by crawling through the conduit and is starting to prepare the other dropship for departure. Ripley wakes up to find two empty stasis tubes on the floor. Somebody let the facehuggers out. (laughs) One of the most intense scenes in the fucking movie and uh ripley immediately is like all right all hands on deck so she she tries to get out burke sees her on the on the uh surveillance camera doesn't alert anybody because this is his doing if ripley and newt get infected he can pass the goods through through customs and ripley and newt start You know, looking out for face huggers. They hear the scurrying, they hear things getting knocked over, and one of them leaps out and grabs Ripley, but, you know, gets around her neck, but doesn't get on the face. And so she's like trying to. uh, It's so intense because you just imagine how strong these things are.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and they have no um, other desire distraction other than. ah, ah,
0: ah. Yeah. These aliens are, you know, single minded creatures. It's, you know, breed and feed. That is it. Yeah. And. That's frightening. (laughs) One of them comes up behind Newt and almost gets her, but Newt crushes the thing against the wall with a cart. Awesome. (laughs) Mm. And uh, Ripley uses a lighter to trigger the fire alarm, which draws out the the soldiers, but also draws out the facehuggers. And the soldiers arrive just in time to destroy the facehuggers. And uh, Ripley's immediately like, Burke did this shit. She goes to talk, to, you know, she confronts Burke in front of everybody and says, you know, they wanted to, he wanted to impregnate us with the face huggers so they could, he could get this shit through customs. And Burke's like, what? Me? Never. What? No. <laughs> Fucking asshole. <laughs> and he would, he was going to kill the rest of the soldiers by sabotaging the cryo tubes so there wouldn't be any witnesses. He would go back to Earth, the only survivor. And Burke's like, no, no, no. That's not true, but everyone's like, let's fucking kill this guy. (laughs) Hudson especially is like, let's, you know, let's shoot his ass right now. (laughs) uh, As they debate on what they're going to do, the power is cut. And uh, Hicks has Vasquez and Hudson walk the perimeter. They use motion trackers and realize there's movement all over the place, but they don't see anything. And that's when they realize they're in the ceiling. (laughs) Oh, God. uh, Hicks opens a ceiling panel and looks up and there are just dozens of these things walking, like crawling towards them. <laughs> they open fire. They start breaking through the ceiling. And as the Marines are taking on the creatures, Burke slips away and escapes sealing the med lab door. Ugh. Hudson gets grabbed by the aliens. He gets grabbed to the floor. We lose Hudson. And uh, Burke runs into an alien, gets killed. <laughs> yep. Karma, Just, bitch. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like, oh, the thing you're the thing you're trying to uh,
0: to get. Yep, yeah, it's gonna get you. Careful what you wish for, punk. So, <laughs> <laughs> Newt finds an alternate escape through the air ducts. Bishop reports that the, the ship's on its way. Inside the vent, Vasquez fires all her grenades, and her pulse rifle draws her handgun. Gets killed by an alien coming through the vertical duct. Ugh. She just she, she did not go down without a fight, though. She takes that thing with her. <laughs> Gorman comes to help her, and uh, he and Vasquez trigger a grenade, and they destroy a bunch of aliens around them. It's a noble death for that wimpy son of a bitch. The explosion causes Newt to fall through a vent shaft that leads to the f- bottom of the facility. Ripley and Hicks, now the only survivors take the stairs they follow the tracker signal they find newt in a sewer but newt gets snatched by an alien out of the water that was crazy (laughs) ripley screams and you know she's no oh my god but she's determined that newt's alive because well she has that tracker but also there's she's got a feeling she knows that the aliens are gonna prep her for a face hugger, so she's yes. she doesn't have a lot, a lot of time to save her, but she's going to try, damn it. Ripley and Hicks rush into an elevator to go up, and uh, an alien jumps in before the doors close. Hicks shoots the thing, but is wounded by the blood, he eats through his body armor. Ripley drags Hicks through the complex doors. They meet up on the surface with Bishop, who is there, who has piloted the ship with remote. Ripley, Ripley refuses to leave the planet. Says demands Bishop take her back to the processor area to rescue Newt. Bishop complies reluctantly, but he does comply, flies the dropship into the atmosphere processor, which is about to overload, lands on a platform. Ripley arms herself with pulse rifle, flamethrower, grenades, flares. She's going to war. The works. (laughs) Bishop says the explosion will happen in 19 minutes, leaving a cloud of vapor the size of Nebraska. Jesus Christ. <laughs> she says goodbye to Hicks. And Hicks tells her his first name is Dwayne. That's right. Trust. Ripley says her name's Ellen. They would have made some, some badass kids had the Alien 3 not happened. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> She tells Bishop, you know, don't leave. And he says, we're not, we're not going anywhere. So Ripley takes the elevator down. Gets down into the hive to get Newt. She sees, she finds Newt cocooned with a face hugger about to hatch from an egg. She guns down the creature, but now the aliens know she's there. She gets Newt out of the wall, and she ends up in a chamber full of eggs, and that's where we meet the queen. What an incredible design, <laughs> the queen. Stan Winston is maybe the undisputed king of creatures. Like, that dude, what he's done in his career, unbelievable. And I think the Queen Alien is his masterpiece. And that's including Jurassic Park.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know, I, I know, man, that, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of beautiful stuff that that guy has contributed. I, I think I agree with you, though. This is one of the most impressive pieces of cinema.
0: For sure. It's interesting that they didn't uh, approach H.R. Geiger about returning to uh, – do some designs. They kind of just worked with what was in the first movie and put their own input into it. And it's weird because the queen, despite not being created by him still feels like an organic offshoot of these creatures. Like it works. Hell yeah. And the queen is smart because they have Ripley and newt surrounded, but Ripley torches some eggs and the queen tells the other aliens back off. Don't, don't touch her. And they don't. The aliens don't don't touch Ripley. It's a confrontation. It's a stalemate. I love it. <laughs> and uh, as she's backing out, she nukes the eggs anyway. <laughs> <laughs> she lights that at, She lights those motherfuckers up. And the queen's like, "Fuck you!" And rips off her sack and starts chasing them. <laughs> ah. Ripley throws her grenade belt into the into the tunnel blows it up, gets up to the top of the uh the platform and finds that uh Bishop is gone. <laughs> and she's immediately like, You robot son of a bitch <laughs> immediately turns on the like, I knew you were gonna betray me, you fucker. And then the alien queen comes up in an elevator. I love that. <laughs> it's just like I just nice picture touch. the queen like standing in an elevator listening to like, you know, some michael mcdonald or some shit just like i don't know just makes me laugh
1: yeah oh yeah and then then, like right when the elevator opens all right go time
0: it's on bitch and just jumps (laughs)
1: out earbuds go into the pockets let's go
0: (laughs) oh boy and uh the queen emerges ripley tells newt close your eyes like she's gonna they're gonna jump rather than let the queen take them out but then the dropship shows up, and Ripley and Newt are able to get on safely. And the dropship carrying Ripley, Newt, Bishop, and Hicks gets away just as the uh, the processing facility explodes in a giant thermonuclear explosion. Back on the Sulaco, Bishop says he had to sedate Hicks, but he's going to be fine. He explains, "You know, I had to take off. The, s- the platform is getting unstable. I'm sorry you thought that we had a- we had left." He <laughs> reminds me of the dog from Up. <laughs> I. I left the platform because I love you. (laughs) (laughs) He's got the same, like, just, I don't know, the same Uh, innocence. I
1: I definitely understand that. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, And Ripley's like, you know what? You're not bad for a robot. And then Bishop gets fucked up by the queen who stowed away on the ship. Ah, so sad. uh, Bishop gets ripped in half, and the queen starts, you know, He's like, I, I remember you. It's, it's personal at this point. And Ripley attracts the queen's attention. Newt runs, dives under the flooring, and uh, Ripley runs and closes a door behind her. The queen starts ripping up the flooring to get to Newt. Suddenly, the door opens. Ripley appears inside the power loader forklift thing, like an exoskeleton. She walks towards the queen and says, the immortal... Movie line, get away from her, you bitch. (laughs) And that is the moment, I think, where Ripley became one of the most important characters in sci-fi history. (laughs) Agreed. Holy shit, is this awesome. And she takes this fucker down in a fist fight. (laughs) It's awesome. It's amazing. Just when you think this movie couldn't get any better, we have a fucking exoskeleton fist fight with the queen. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. That, that line is, yeah, is, is so immortal and so cool for a, for a, yeah, like a mom type character to say. It's awesome.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, she manages to knock the queen into the airlock, but the queen drags her down with her. Uh, Ripley holds on and, uh, activates the airlock. The Queen gets blasted out into space. And uh, Bishop saves Newt. It's pretty awesome. Bishop's still alive. He's halved, but he's alive. And good android. Damn straight. The best android. <laughs> now we're talking about him like he's a dog.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, you know, we kinda you know made the up comparison. Yeah.
0: Oh boy. Uh Ripley closes the airlock. Everybody's all right, except for Bishop, but he'll they can rebuild him another half. And uh, Newt calls her mommy. Pretty uh pretty significant there. And uh, the film ends as Ripley and uh, Newt, Hicks, and the top half of Bishop prepare for hypersleep as they journey back to Earth. <laughs> Apparently, after the end credits, you can hear the sound of howling wind and a scurrying facehugger. Which is pretty cool. I didn't know that. Ugh. So that's Aliens fucking amazing film <laughs> let's do it, truly some film- yeah oh yeah let's do some film guys and facts number one lance hendrickson had privately pledged to quit acting if this part didn't work out for him after years of journeyman roles it proved to be one of his most successful films and kind of restarted his career pretty sweet <laughs> number two The Alien Nest set was kept intact after filming. It was later used as the Axis Chemicals set in 1989's Batman. When the Batman crew first entered the set, they found most of the Alien Nest still intact. Which is pretty sweet.
1: (laughs) Hell yeah, incredible.
0: Number three. To bring the Alien Queen to life would take anything between 14 and 16 operators since the head, neck, body, legs, face, lips, jaws, and tongue all had to move independently. Stan Winston constructed a mold from fiberglass and foam, which was subsequently dressed with black garbage bags and moved by two puppeteers inside in order to shoot a test video as proof that such a large creature would be feasible. The fully built animatronic creature was so convincing that Steven Spielberg later enlisted Winston to construct the full animatronic T-Rex for Jurassic Park. (laughs) <laughs> God. That is incredible. That is a feat of human engineering that he was able to do this. And it still looks amazing. Today. Yes. Yes. <sighs> Unbelievable. Will, always, yeah, I'll always
1: brag about how, how much cooler this looks than, you know, any computer. It's just fucking awesome.
0: Stan Winston was adamant in using puppetry and animation. And the, the work speaks for itself. My 100%. God. Number four. This is pretty interesting. I remember this. In 2015, it was rumored that Sigourney Weaver would return as Ripley for the first time in 20 years since Alien Resurrection. This new fifth film would ignore Alien 3 and Resurrection as if they never happened, like it was a dream, or it would be set in an alternate timeline. Neil Blomkamp was attached as director, with Ridley Scott producing. However, in 2017, Blomkamp stated that the project was unofficially dead because the studio had preferred to complete Scott's Alien prequel trilogy, which began with Prometheus in 2012. Scott later added that Blomkamp's project had never been more than some ideas and artwork without a complete script. That's a bummer because I, I remember that when they announced Blomkamp was going to do an alien movie and it was, it was going to be really cool. Michael Biehn was going to come back, was going to ignore three and four and just be a direct sequel to Aliens. And then Ridley Scott said, no, I want to do Covenant. And it all disappeared. That sucks. Basically, since Neil Blomkamp disappeared with it, he hasn't done anything since Chappie.
1: Yeah, exactly, which uh not for me.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a weird film. <laughs> Chappy. Ugh, fuck it. I hate those two. This I don't know why they were such a big part of that movie. Yeah. Oh boy. Uh still love District 9 though. So. Yeah,
1: District 9's tight.
0: It is. A shame that he never did more cuz he had some some cool chops and I think he, his alien would have been very interesting. <sighs> Well, I give Aliens a solid 10. It's a masterpiece. One of the best sci-fi films ever made. One of the best horror films ever made. And one of the best action films ever made.
1: Yeah, man. I give it a solid 9. It's, you know, yeah. What? Awesome, awesome 80s movie. I sometimes question if maybe I should have put it in my um, top 10 80s list. It's always always something I think about. It's awesome. It's got got great performances, obviously. And I, I just love what it does with the budget. Um, how scary and intense it is the entire time. So it's, it's a classic.
0: Indeed, I love the I love so many 80s movies that I just you know I can't I can't have them all in the top ten. It's a shame, but yeah, that's the this, way it goes. Yeah, this was a hard one. I don't think it was in my top ten of the 80s. I'm pretty no, sure I don't it
1: think I don't think it was either. Yeah,
0: but it is it is an amazing film, and that that you know I can't dispute that. So. We've decided to retire this week in film and move it to our new podcast, Oscar Sunday, which will be premiering this Sunday, June 7th, with Pulp Fiction as the debut film. Don't miss it. In place of that segment, we're premiering a new segment, which we call The Spotlight. Here, we'll discuss some of the films we've been watching outside of the podcast and just shoot the shit for a while to finish these out. So let's begin. What have you been watching lately?
1: Uh, I actually, um, you know... This is tough because uh, lately, you know, with what's been going on uh, with um, all the protests happening around our country and the COVID still happening, um, it's uh, it's been a lot. I feel like I've my attention's been in the news or you know social media a little too much, or I'm reading too much. Uh, but I have found some, you know, some a little bit of you know personal peace for just a minute, a distraction from. Uh, rewatching the show Shameless. <laughs> <laughs> Will, William H Macy is one of my favorite performers of all time, and I, uh, my girlfriend, you know, Brown and I have we've watched it before, and we wanted to watch it again, and that's been really good. And then I, uh, I just watched Contempt last night. Uh, Jean-Luc Godard, awesome, awesome movie. Uh, I'm really excited. I'll write a review for that and have that out for FilmGasm. Uh, what have you been watching?
0: Well, um, if you listened to last week's Near Dark or maybe it was what we do in the shadows recent episode. Uh, I had talked about my, uh, I I started watching some Spike Lee movies. Yes. Please, please please tell. (laughs) Yesterday I watched do the right thing for the first time. And I was shocked at how similar it was to what's going on right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a phenomenal movie. It, Definitely has, uh, you know, it has some parallels to our current situation. I recommend checking it out just yes. so you can kind of put it in perspective a little bit. And uh, I was surprised at Spike's, Spike Lee's performance. I thought he did a great job. Danny Aiello was fantastic. John Tortura was such an asshole. John Carlos. Like, It took me a while before I realized that was him. <laughs> I yeah, couldn't but, believe
1: it. Yeah. yeah, he's incredible in that.
0: I got a little bit tired of Public Enemies fight the power. <laughs> I mean, understandably, it's a cool song, but I do wish that he had another tape. Uh, especially since Public Enemy has so many awesome songs.
1: Yeah, they they do. They're really he's really hammering it home.
0: Yeah. One thing that I noticed that I'm hesitant to say is, I what did I say? I think I said it in my review. It was um. Uh one second.
1: Yeah, we, yeah we, take take all the time take all the time you need to talk about do the right thing. Right. It's one of it's one of the most important American movies. Yeah.
0: I said that I think that there are characters on both sides of the line that could have handled things better. Yeah. I think that I understand the frustration of the black community towards the pizza parlor, but I also understand the pizza parlor wanting to just kind of be its own thing and not have to you know uh lean to the like to the masses i get it you know it's you want to you want to maintain your own property and that's that's your property and what what you say goes on those lines i understand that but they were really racist assholes and they did not i mean they kind of got what they deserved so yeah yeah. it, it was a um it was an interesting film because i found myself sympathizing for a, a, a few characters some of which i didn't think i'd be sympathizing for so that's yeah.
1: that that's that's the point that's like i love i love that 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 you are honest about that because i think people would sometimes watch that movie and i think the easy thing to do would be um just kind of be like yeah it's awesome but for, for you to Honestly, say that you feel for multiple characters is a, such a real and human reaction to that movie, which is ultimately what it's trying to do. Because so many things that happen in life are are very gray, and yeah. it, and it isn't black and white. You know, it isn't that easy. It isn't that it isn't that simple. You know, yeah. Like you're like you're saying, you know, they, they, they kind of got what they deserved, but you know, it, you, you it's so hard because you want to feel for people, but you. You know, you know when 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 people are pushed, when people are pressed constantly, you're going to expect at some point for them to press back.
0: You know well, Danny I mean? Aiello is in this movie. He's he's a he's a racist, but he's not as like as big a racist as his son.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, there's yeah. some moment like. He says in the movie, you know, these people grew up on my pizza. Like, we're not leaving this neighborhood. But he, at the end of the... He gets gets Bill Nunn killed. It's his fault, really. He escalates this shit with the boombox, but at the same time, I don't agree with bugging Out's platform of there need to be, you know, black guys on the wall. Like, this there doesn't need to be that's not the, the issue here and i don't know i i really danny aiello i just i i, I understood his character i understood him standing his ground as an italian american and saying this is my pizza place we don't like it fuck off like i get that i this is hard to explain
1: <laughs> it, it it's very hard it's very hard he handled it
0: his way but it was not the smart way but i get it that's that's all i'm that's all i'm saying that's all i got
1: you're you're transparent yeah that's it that, that's all that's all a person can ask for right is just some understanding and looking at everything before you make an impulse decision yeah um, god man yeah it, it is so insane that a movie uh, 30 years ago uh, 31 years ago now 1989 uh, just the, the pure the pure audacity of that movie from Spike Lee just fucking in your face is like people need to see that and it's crazy that people still need to see that you know what I mean yeah and how it how how relevant it still is and the conversations you can have like we're having right now of trying to respect people's property but also respect people's values and ugh, all these things come into play and it, it just gets very difficult. But do the right thing is 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 a, a must see.
0: Yes, yes. You know, Spike wrote it in two weeks.
1: Yes, I do. Um, yeah, Spike, Spike. that's that is undisputedly Mike's Spike's masterpiece. It's it's uh, a beautiful, beautiful piece of
0: art. Yes, indeed. It's I found it much tighter than the rest of like the other movies I've seen of his. Yeah, yeah. It was it was narrow. You know, it was focused. It made sense. It just kind of stayed in this neighborhood. were mm-hmm. it didn't really have you know it, it wasn't too much. I found, like, a lot of his films I've watched have been kind of too operatic, but mm-hmm. this was very much, he knew exactly what he wanted to say. Very he had hungry. exactly the right, yeah. like, focus. It was it was really good.
1: Yeah, and, and it, yeah, again, very, very good performances all around, including, including Spike himself.
0: True, very true. Do you find it, uh, this is just kind of a segue, do you find it pretentious when a filmmaker writes, directs, and stars – in their film. Not at all. Why not?
1: Uh because a lot of my favorite filmmakers do it. <laughs> uh, fair, fair enough. <laughs> if if it maybe I would think differently if I didn't see like Reservoir Dogs at like thirteen and be like, Well, you know, I like that character. <laughs> you know, and, and, and so on not so much in Pulp Fiction, but definitely in Reservoir Dogs. I think he's pretty funny, talking about Madonna. Um and then and then I yeah, and then I like i like it i like spike i like when spike does it so um yeah i i think i i think i enjoy it but i also really enjoy someone like paul thomas anderson who wouldn't dare you know mm-hmm. who wouldn't dare go go that that side of the camera he knows yeah. that's the other side the, the behind the camera is what he's all about so i respect both sides what about you
0: i don't like it i find it pretentious i think that for a, for a filmmaker to be, you know, I've written my masterpiece and I'm going to direct this and no actor is good enough to star in this. It must be me. I must do this. I don't know. It just reeks of ego to me. Like, you know, Clint Eastwood, not so yeah. much Tarantino because he hasn't starred. He's done like bit parts. Yeah. Kind of yeah cameo yeah. but like Tarantino. Ed, I mean, not Tarantino. Eastwood, Edward Norton, Chaplin to an extent. It's very much a control freak thing to me. Yeah, for sure. I don't know if I feel that about Do the Right Thing, though. I feel like this was Spike Lee wanting to kind of bear witness to a movie that he knew was going to be important and not important because of him.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Whereas like Edward Norton in Motherless Brooklyn is very much like, you know, bow you shits. I'm the king of movies.
1: Yeah. (laughs) But (laughs) but I don't know. The best actor. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah, I wrote yeah. this shit, I directed this shit, and look at me on the poster. I'm in charge.
1: <laughs> this is me. Stars born, Bradley Cooper, this is mine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, well, that's another thing we'll talk about, you know, on our second podcast. And uh, that's all for this week, listeners. Our new show, Oscar Sunday, debuts this Sunday, June 7th, with Pulp Fiction. It'll be a new Oscar-related discussion every Sunday. And if you're a film buff, you don't want to miss it. Next week, Austin and I are going back into the realm of Stephen King with the unsettling Netflix original 1922, starring Thomas Jane and Dylan Schmid, among others. It's always fun to be in King's world, and while I have not yet seen 1922, I have read the novella, and it is a dark one. Until next week, don't trust slimy company men, and stay the hell away from LV426. See you next Wednesday. Mm -hmm.